net zero. It's an ambitious goal, one we can't afford to compromise on. Both private and public entities and companies across the globe have made bold commitments to achieve this end, and many of these deadlines are fast approaching. But how will we meet these goals? It will require cross-collaboration and a multitude of new solutions. One of them, innovative biofuel systems. I'm Kristen Slanina, Chief Innovation Officer at Park My Fleet and today's host of the Driving Mobility Podcast. Joining me today is Colin Heiler, founder and CEO of Optimus Technologies, a company born out of Colin's curious and very forward-thinking experiments in college. Today, Optimus manufactures the Vector System, an advanced fuel system technology that enables diesel engines to operate on 100% biodiesel. This system does not require rebuilding, replacing, or significant modification to existing engines, thus allowing fleets to make that transition without disrupting the company's business operations. I'm eager to learn more about this and how the system is helping reduce emissions. Thank you, Colin, for joining us today. Likewise, yeah, I'm glad to be here and thanks for having me. What I'd like to start out with is a little bit of background about kind of your journey and a little bit about your path of how you got to where you are today with Optimus. <laughs> so definitely uh, definitely a, a winding path to, to where we sit today. I grew up outside of Buffalo, New York, and you know my entrance into sustainability was you know probably at the time not really what one would consider sustainability, but just always interested in the outdoors and environmental aspects, you know, just being outside and, and spending time and learning about kind of how to preserve that. I started uh, studying at University of Buffalo and I was initially going for uh, political science with uh, with environmental law. That was kind of the-, the So interesting, the political science. That's interesting. That, that was the initial pathway and, and that actually <laughs> okay. di didn't, didn't last very long. I was commuting each way an hour oh, every wow. day. And so that was what initially prompted me to look into kind of a method or a mechanism of transportation that had less of an environmental footprint. And that was, that was really the first entrance that I had into the, into the world of biofuels at the time, you know, had, had been mechanically interested, but had never worked on an engine or anything like that. And just did a lot of, uh, did a lot of research, did a lot of hobby type of, uh, uh activity to, to, to learn about biofuels and, and came across this concept that you could run uh, diesel engine on uh, vegetable oils. And, and the initial diesel engine way back in the 1800s was actually designed by Rudolf Diesel to operate on uh, many things, but, but one of them being peanut oil so that farmers could use this engine to increase their productivity on the farm. But, but then they could also be growing the fuel that they were using. Isn't it fascinating how much we learn about history and we think that we're creating new things when we find out it's 100 plus year old? Technology. Yeah, I think the, the electric vehicle world has a similar track, right? The early vehicles were, sure were EVs and then that fell off with the commoditization of, of petroleum and, and the kind of massive growth of, of that industry. But, but yeah, it is, it's, it's coming full circle. To kind of wrap that up, I uh, ended up dropping out of college and oh, uh, realized, that, <laughs> realized at the time that that I had no idea what I wanted to be doing, but studying political science wasn't, wasn't it, you know, and, and so I uh, ended up starting 
my first company, uh, based off of some of the work that I was doing at the time, uh, that company was called Fossil Free Fuel, and we were doing grease collection. So we were actually going out to restaurants and collecting and processing the the recycled cooking oil into into biofuels. And oh, I um, love that. That's so was, innovative. <laughs> very interesting business. Definitely learned a lot. What ended up happening was, you know doing this personally for, for my own vehicle and then other vehicles, you know, focused mostly on consumers. So, you know, mm -hmm. individual vehicles, old Mercedes, Volkswagens, things like that. And, and in 2009, 2010, we started seeing some interest from commercial entities, you know, trucking companies and construction companies that were setting some sustainability objectives. And they wanted to see if we could do something similar for large heavy duty diesel engines. And we, we weren't totally sure, but we thought we could. And so ended up actually transitioning out of, out of that previous company and, and starting Optimus. And uh, at the time, I, I, I went back to school. I'd relocated to Pittsburgh, so I went to school for mechanical engineering. And so actually, my, my degree is in mechanical engineering, and I did that kind of in the early days of, of founding Optimus in, in 2010. Well, and I think it's a great lesson that, you know, it's great to try different experiences and things, and it helps you then hone where your sweet spot is and what resonates with you. And so, like, I have talked to so many young kids who are like, I don't know what to study in college. And it's like, well, so try different things and you'll you'll find out what uh, what it is you like and what you don't like. So, yeah. Yeah. I think I think that's, you know, I, I think that's really, really important. And, you know, the life experience that I had has been you know, phenomenally impactful in the growth, definitely early days and, and even now in, in the business, finding something that, you know, I really cared about and I was really interested in has allowed us to persevere through, you know, what were some really, really challenging early days of, of starting the company and growing the company. And you know, two key takeaways, one, you know, especially when starting a company, finding something you're passionate about helps you to kind of persevere through that epic roller coaster, the, the ups and the downs that basically happen on a almost daily basis. And, and the, and the second, which, you know, can, can be a little bit of, of, of challenging advice. I took a non-traditional way to, to graduate in college. And, you know, I think it was very beneficial. I don't think everybody needs to go immediately from high school to college. And, and some people, you know, maybe college just isn't even the right, the right move and um, figuring that out is, is important. You had an early interest in sustainable transportation based off your, you know, commute to college. I would love to go into a little bit more depth about Optimus. So tell us about the actual technology and kind of how you created it in your role there. I founded the company in, in 2010. We manufacture what we call, it's an advanced fuel system technology. So we build a fuel system, it's hardware, software that actually upgrades existing diesel engines to enable them to operate on 100% biodiesel. And so our technology can bolt on to existing trucks, uh, existing equipment, basically anything that's powered by a diesel engine. And mm -hmm. it allows that engine to operate not only on traditional diesel, uh, so you know, the fuels that yeah. are operating on today, but it also provides the flexibility to run on 100% biodiesel. And biodiesel is, it's a chemically processed fuel. So it's a refined fuel that's, derived from things like fats and oils. So use cooking oil from restaurants, animal fats, um, you know, soybean oils, anything that, anything that has kind of fatty oils in it can be refined into biodiesel. And 
because of the products that biodiesel is made from, actually has uh, net zero carbon emissions because um, oh, you're, you're basically capturing the CO2 from the atmosphere to grow the plant. And then uh, the combustion of that fuel releases that carbon back into the atmosphere, but there's a closed loop cycle because it, uh, it basically the mass balance over, you know, over mm -hmm. the, the, the life cycle is, is zero. Exactly. You know what? That's fantastic. So could you tell us a little bit more in terms of like, let's just say a company wants to convert over. So how long does that take and what does that really entail? And I love the fact that it can run off of both diesel. So if there happens to not be any, you know, biodiesel available, it gives you flexibility. Fleets are, are generally very risk averse operations. They're moving more and more towards a net zero world. But anything you can do to help them mitigate that risk is, is really important. So the way that the, the technology works, it actually it bolts on and, and our product can get delivered in two ways. One is actually upgrading existing trucks that are already out in the field. So we do this with about 50% of our customers. We're actually taking our product, which is fuel system components. So pumps, filters, uh, fuel lines, things like that actually retrofit onto existing trucks. And then uh, the remaining 50% of our business, we actually have customers who integrate our fuel system specification when they're buying new trucks. So we work through uh, third parties and ship through manufacturers to actually integrate our technology when the truck is manufactured. It's a bolt-on process, so the installation is relatively easy. Uh, it's anywhere from three nice. to five days per, per truck or per application for, for the installation. So it's a, it's a relatively quick process in the total kind of build. That's fantastic. When when we look at you know the whole supply chain issues of you know getting EVs even you know if you order one how long it takes having a three to five day turnaround and having a, a net zero impact is fantastic. In your opinion, then what do you see the role of let's say Optimus and other companies like that that are looking at biofuels in creating this net zero future that we so desperately need? There is absolutely no one silver bullet that is going to solve the problem. There's going to be, you know, a future that has uh, a variety of different solutions, whether it's biodiesel or renewable diesel or hydrogen or renewable natural gas. It's going to be a composition of solutions that uh, meet the particular operating requirements for, you know, each, each fleet and then also each type of operation within a fleet. You know, we work with fleets that have short haul operations. We have fleets that have, you know, a mix of short haul, long haul. There's, there's going to be a variety of different technologies that are well suited for uh, each particular application. And for, for us, Optimus and, and where we see 100% biodiesel in that mix is really the heavier duty engine applications. So the larger kind of class eight, you know, the class eight engines, the uh, long haul operations, you get uh, about the same fuel economy, if not slightly better fuel economy with biodiesel than you do with traditional diesel. So it's effectively a one-to-one -one replacement. And, and that works really well for, you know, heavy, heavy haul and, and long routing because you're not losing any efficiencies. Can you tell us a little bit more about availability and cost versus diesel for biodiesel? Yeah, so in the U.S. today, there's approximately 3 billion gallons of, of biodiesel that's available. The industry has a target to double that to 6 billion gallons by, by 2030 and 15 billion gallons by uh, 2050. And biodiesel is, is made you know, in 
wide variety of, of different refineries, both small scale and large scale. And there's refineries spread throughout the U.S. So there's large operations on the West Coast. Uh, the Midwest has a lot of biodiesel production and then uh, scattered down into the Gulf Coast, Texas and, and whatnot. So from a production standpoint, it's it's a pretty diversified industry. And then also from a distribution standpoint, you know, usually biodiesel is available. It's distributed through the existing diesel infrastructure. So any petroleum terminal and uh, rack locations where fleets are picking up traditional diesel today, there's generally biodiesel available, which makes it really easy to integrate into operations. What's happening today with biodiesel is actually gets blended into traditional diesel in a low level blend. So most terminals and, and rack positions, which are, which are where, you know, you'd go to pick up diesel fuel actually have biodiesel on site and they blend it in to let's say a three percent or a five percent blend with traditional diesel so you get a little bit of biodiesel mixed in with your diesel and and so that product is available at those at those terminals instead of mixing it with diesel we're just you know fleets that we work with are just pulling it straight so tell us a little bit about optimus and you know how many conversions did you did in, in 2022 and what do you see as your growth plans for uh, this next coming year in 2023? So we've got in total about 250 units in the field. About 75 of those units were, were done in, in 22. And we actually have a, have a significant backlog into 23. So uh, we're targeting somewhere between 300 and 400 additional units that, that we'll actually deliver in, in 23. And Customers, when we work with them, typically do an initial pilot project. And I think this is true of most emerging technologies, particularly in the fleet space, where customers will adopt anywhere from five to 10 of our units to do uh, initial trial. They validate the technology. There's always things that you know you learn in a fleet deployment. So doing that in a, on a smaller scale helping to refine the scale-up plan, and then, and then we see larger rollout opportunities through the fleets. So uh, initial, initial deployments are somewhere in the 5 to 10 neighborhood, and then you know, we've got customers who are uh, ordering recurring units on, on an annual basis in the order of you know, 50 to 75 units every year. So. Oh, that's fantastic. So where, where do you see yourself in, in Optimus five years from now? <laughs> we'll jump ahead uh, a little. Our goal and one of the things we're working heavily on today is integrating the product into new trucks that are being manufactured. This transition, although, you know, I don't think it's happening fast enough, we still got a long ways to go. And, and again, it's a, it's a slow moving world. Customers who are buying new trucks today are, are being slated for production in late 23, early 24. So new diesel vehicles that are being bought today won't even be in service until, you know, the end of next year or sometime in 2024. And so our, our perspective is, you know, in five years, as, as fleets are still pur purchasing diesel vehicles, you know, they should be equipped to run 100% biodiesel because it allows us, again, to, to leverage that existing infrastructure, the existing diesel refueling stations, the existing exactly. terminals and racks that are distributing diesel. Because biodiesel is a liquid fuel, it can be used in all of that infrastructure. And we've got, you know, 100 plus years of, of head start building diesel infrastructure as we transition to other types of fuel. Being able to leverage those investments that have already been made is so critical for, you know, long-term success. Curious, what excites you the most right now about all these new innovations in sustainable technology? Personally, you know, I'm interested in seeing just 
how these different solutions commercialize because I think that we're, we're at this inflection point where there's a lot of different types of technologies that are being developed and there's a lot of different opportunities. But the, the key for me and the thing that's exciting for me is actually starting to see some of these take root and start to be scaled. You know, I think there's a, a fundamental challenge between kind of lab pilot scale and, and full scale commercial you know, operations and starting to see some of these early technologies get to that critical mass where they are getting uh, closer to mass market adoption is really encouraging. Yep. You know, I agree completely. I mean, things do take time. Rome isn't built in a day, but I think we're seeing tremendous acceleration in the space. So I love it. There's so much talk about EVs right now going on. And uh, I would love to hear your thoughts about EVs in general, as well as what do you think it will take to really reach mass adoption? The first thing I'll say is, you know, again, very, very adamantly believe that there's going to be a diverse mix of solutions that that creates that net zero pathway into, into the future. And I think EVs have a really important role to play. I think the, the biggest challenge that, that we have with EVs is because the, the talking point on EV is so simple, you know, there's no tailpipe emissions, you, know, you just get in the vehicle and, and drive and you just plug it in. I think that that simplicity actually does a little bit of a disservice to the complexity of scaling and deploying those type of technologies. And because there's a lot of additional backend complexities, I think that EVs will, will actually take a little bit longer to get to broad scale market adoption and particularly as it relates to heavy duty assets. So I think uh, there's a, there's certainly, you know, a, a lot of growth that's happened in the lighter duty sector and starting to emerge into more of the medium duty vehicles, but where other technologies actually shine and, and perform, I think a little bit better and can make a larger impact in a much shorter period of time, that's those heavy assets. It's shipping, it's large trucking for transportation, it's construction and heavy equipment. And by focusing on an all EV solution actually does a disservice to the main objective, which I think everybody is collectively aligned with that's, that's working in these industries, which is carbon reduction. So our thesis and our framing of how each type of technology should be deployed is what can achieve the largest amount of carbon reduction for the lowest total cost in the most aggressive time frame. And you know when you kind of build a matrix of analyzing that, EVs are very well suited for you know shorter distance, lighter duty, and there are other technologies that are better suited for heavier duty and longer distance applications. And that's, again, that's where we see biodiesel being a, a really, a really key component. And we just finished up a study with ADM trucking. So a commercial trucking operation, they operate five, 600 uh, class eight commercial trucks, you know, long to you know, mid range routing. And, you know, the technology from an EV standpoint just isn't there today to meet those demands. And if, if, if they were to wait until you know, EVs were ready to, you know, meet their demand operations, you know, we'd, we'd be easily into, you know, late 2030s, early 2040s. And so by deploying 100% biodiesel in their operations, you know, they're effectively cutting, you know, 20 years of, of carbon emissions 
by starting today. And so, you know, that's, that's, I think, one of the critical pieces that this is a critical area where I think policymakers actually need to be better educated on because focusing on one particular type of solution actually does a disservice to the overall objective, which is, you know, reducing carbon emissions to meet, um, you know, global atmospheric level targets. Colin, I couldn't agree more. You know, we I think we forget sometimes with all these initiatives that the whole goal is let's get this carbon out. <laughs> you know, decarbonization <laughs> is key. And I love what you said about needing a variety of technologies because you're right, there's different circumstances and conditions. And, you know, so at Park My Fleet, you know, that that's really kind of our mission too, is how do we help fleets convert over faster to these sustainable sources, whether it is, you know, biodiesel or you know, renewable um, natural gas, green hydrogen, green electricity. So kind of like the tagline I like to say is, and you've kind of alluded to this too, it's getting the greenest energy at the lowest cost and, and optimizing that ecosystem and making it easy as possible for these big fleets to convert over to more sustainable choices and have a mix of those choices. That, that's absolutely, you know, absolutely the case. And, you know, it's, it's, it's hard sometimes to, to take a step back and look at more broadly the, you know, the, the perspective there, but you know, th those trucks, that equipment, it's on the road because it has a, a task and a purpose that needs to be accomplished for a commercial or, you know, public safety reason. These fleets can't just stop everything, you know, they don't have, you know, unlimited budgets to, to be able to do whatever they want. And so it is, it's finding a diverse mix of solutions that helps them easily transition at a low cost and, and, uh, and doesn't impact their operations. Cause that's, you know, that's absolutely the, the most fundamental thing for, you know, fleet manager today is making sure that they're <laughs> making sure that their trucks are, are delivering the goods that, that they're supposed to be delivering. And, you exactly. know, exactly. Just, you've got more and more demand for trucking and you know freight movement and as total energy usage increases we're also trying to reduce the overall you know environmental footprint of what that of what that is so what can the everyday person do to reduce their carbon footprint yeah so i think you know the the most impactful personal decisions are evaluating, you know, resource usage. So, you know, do you need that thing? Do you need it right now? Any energy or any emissions that can be offset are way better than, uh, you know, than, than switching to a different type of energy usage. If you can eliminate that energy usage altogether, you know, and, and, Personally, that's that's the easiest thing that we can we can impact in our daily lives. Absolutely, you know, really asking ourselves if we need something. Yeah, I like that. An idea came to me. I would love it if you would share a story from your work or experience that really motivates you and inspires you to keep pushing forward. I've got two uh, twin girls, so they're uh, oh. two years old, oh and goodness. you know that that experience of, of becoming a parent has uh, has really shifted my perspective on things but one of the things that's really really cool uh we just we just launched a project uh, in, in chicago with a school bus fleet and and seeing those school buses operating seeing that you know that that work that's being done the tangible kind of real world benefit that the work we're doing today can have on you know specifically, you know, my, my kids, but also the, the, the next generation is, is really, really cool and, and really, uh, really exciting seeing the opportunity to help 
preserve kind of the, the, the world and the, the environment that we're fortunate enough to be able to take care of. Colin, that is such a great story. And I actually did not know you had twin daughters. <laughs> <laughs> How great, but you know, I, I am the mother of three boys as well. And the school bus thing is near and dear to my heart. So I, I'm with you on that. Colin, wonderful to talk about and learn more about you as well as Optimus and what you're doing. And looking forward to uh, great things happening in 2023 and accelerating this uh, net zero future. Thanks again. <laughs>